0: You're listening to Season 3 of Together by AGCI. I'm Marissa Butterworth. Today, I get to speak with one of my all-time favorite women, Jacqueline Gustafson, about adoption and how to honor your child's whole story as they grow up. Jackie and I first connected as adopted moms, but she is a university dean and professor who has worked to promote equity and access for underserved populations in both local and global settings. On top of that, she is the founder of the Ababa Collection, a lifestyle brand that sells handmade artisan goods and empowers women business leaders in the developing world. In my opinion, Jackie is a real-life superhero, and every time I talk to her, I walk away feeling better about the world and like I've learned something really important. I have a feeling that you'll feel the exact same way. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Jackie. It's so funny because you guys used to live in Washington, yes. where I am. And we had a lot of mutual friends. And I people kept telling me all the time, like, you have to meet the Gustafsons. And and while you were living here, we never crossed paths. And I always heard about you because we were both you know, adopted Ethiopia families. And I think when I first heard about you, it was before our daughter had even come home. Um yes. So it was, you know, I kept hearing about it. And I finally met you like years after I had first heard your name <laughs> randomly at a concert. And um I probably forced myself on you, but I was like, I'm going to be friends with her. <laughs>
1: So you now we're
0: friends.
1: Amazing timing, <laughs> and, and I'm so glad we we um, went to that concert. We were we were visiting family and friends back in Washington, and so somehow, yes, it took us moving away and then and coming then back <laughs> coming back to visit for you and I to finally meet in person. Yes, um, and then we've been like close friends from a distance. Yes, since. Yeah, it's so, so it's funny. amazing. I know. Yeah. I
0: love it. I, I, and I love talking to you. And I love that I finally was able to he- hear your family's adoption story because really it was, um, in some ways kind of an upside down version of our adoption story. Um, yet the cool thing is that when I met you, I felt like I just identified with you so much right away because there are so many, things about the process things that we can talk we just jumped right in it was like okay (laughs) like and I have learned so much from you really um over the years that I've met you I mean it's been probably a two or three years now but it's been pretty cool so thank you for taking the time out and joining me on the podcast today and talking oh, through things.
1: Yes, my, my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. It is always a joy to spend time with you. And, um, you know, I love as you sort of uh, talk about our, our relationship and the, and that part of the story, because it, in a way, reminds me of um, like an old friend that you don't see for years, but you can jump back in. totally that like established relationship and it's a little different with us because we didn't we're not old friends um but i think that you're absolutely right just some of the like shared story and experience and journey that we have like walked side by side, although not necessarily knowing each other the whole time, gives us that ability to jump right into that space in such a meaningful way. And so that's been incredible for me as well. So thank you for
0: that. Thank you. and means so much. So the really short version of our personal story is that my husband and I both knew we wanted to adopt when we were kids. So when we got married, it was just kind of a matter of life hitting and us figuring out what adoption would end up. Looking like in our lives, and uh, we ended up having our first two kids biologically before we decided to start the adoption process for our daughter. So, will you share um, really what your family story looked like? Whatever you're comfortable sharing about that, of course.
1: Uh, so, we began to explore um, how and when we wanted to start a family. We had been um, we'd been married for. Like several years, because we got married when we were uh, fairly young and then, you know, going through graduate school and all of that. So sort of when we we, when we started to come out the other side of that, those conversations uh, emerged just related to, you know, starting a family and adoption was really a part of that conversation early on. Um, but there was an evolution of what that looked like. So at first it was something that we had talked about as a piece that we um, both knew that we wanted to incorporate. I was the person that initially brought that to the table, um, but Dave was super receptive to that. And so we said like, yeah, that would be um, an amazing part of our family constellation as we began to dream about that. Um, But it quickly sort of moved or shifted to, um, evaluating what it might look like to begin there. Hmm. So, um, we always kept the door open to add children biologically, although never ended up doing that. But for us, many families, um, well for many families adoption is is not something that they embrace or is not something that's a good fit for them or that they're comfortable yeah. with and then for other families that do embrace the idea of being an adoptive family it often takes the form of it being um sort of a plan b yeah and and that's okay because that can be like a beautiful and redemptive part of their becoming a family but a question that we just felt sort of prompted in our heart to ask was What would it look like if we sort of flipped that around and said, if this is something that we want to incorporate, what would it look like to just start there and just make that our plan A? And um, as soon as we asked that question, things really moved pretty quickly um, uh, towards that journey of us becoming
0: an adoptive family. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. So, when you made that decision, what were your next steps? Did you um, reach out to someone in particular? Did you have any idea of, of even where you wanted to adopt from, or were you open to anything?
1: Uh, we were open. And um, because it did move so quickly, there wasn't like a whole, a whole lot of exploration. Okay. And I don't know if you know this story, but if you don't know this story, Um, this is going to be super fun to share with you right now, which is, um, I'm, I'm a university professor. So I was working in a university in the Seattle area and I had a student that was looking for like a job or internship or something in this sector. And she had become familiar with AGCI as a result of that. Oh, funny. Like going and working there, but that was actually, my introduction was through my student. So I was like mentoring her. She was looking at different places. She talked to me about AGCI and she ended up going in another direction, but I was um, just really attracted to the work that the organization was doing. And so uh, Dave and I went to an AGCI fundraiser in Seattle. Oh, okay and um, support this organization. And um, if we like learn more about the adoptive process or how we might, you know, personally, uh, you know, incorporate that, you know, great, but that wasn't necessarily our intent. So we went to this fundraiser. Um, we almost didn't make it because we like had a hard time finding it, but thankfully- like, You we actually the- made it. <laughs> <laughs> It was a great evening. We learned about AGCI. You know, we provided support. That was awesome. Um, But we were seated um, with one of the AGCI, um, like, home study social workers was at our table. So she was just amazing, struck up a conversation with us. And by the end of the evening, she was telling us about the Ethiopia pilot program that was, like, just started or was just about to start and um, was... Provided us with information, but also like nudged us a little bit. And by the time we're like driving home that night, we were like, you know, taking next steps to enter that program. That's
0: amazing. I don't think I had heard that whole story. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. So you really just jumped right in. <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> Which is... like,
1: we've totally been thinking and preparing yes. to parents. We've been having the like adoption conversation. So we were, we were very thoughtful about that, but it, it, what we didn't do is like go through an exhaustive um, process, like related to, you know, searching out agencies and things like that. But yeah. as we became familiar that evening with AGCI, we just felt so um, like the mission just really resonated with yeah. us. That it was it was about adoption, but that ultimately it was about um, serving kids yeah. in in tough places and with tough stories and um and and finding forever families and redemptive opportunities and that is something that just um like it just it just resonated with our yep. spirit.
0: Yep. I know. And I think that that I had a similar experience when we found AGCI and kind of dug into what they were doing. Um I did not go to a fundraiser but yeah it, there's something that your my spirit like, gravitated to and, and was like, I think this is right. There's something about that. I think that you have to trust sometimes of like, okay, this makes sense. We've done our work ahead of time. And now we're moving forward. So tell me just a little bit, you have two boys. Yes. They both have very different stories of how they came home. Would you share um, with about both of them your, your story of like or or what you feel comfortable sharing about um you know their ages and how that looked and and I, I think it's so interesting especially because you have two very different stories. Both your boys are Ethiopian but that they have they're their own people and they have That's their great. own thing. Yes.
1: So, you know, I think like all of our children in all of our families, um, we have our shared experiences and identities. And then we have the pieces that are unique yep. to us and our individual stories. And so, uh, you know, with with my boys, that might be more exaggerated than let's say like in some other family constellations yep. or, you know, even bio families. Um, but I think we can all identify um, with that on some level, um, even as we think about our own experiences growing up. And if you have a sibling, the ways in which we experienced our family and the world in exactly. similar ways, but then also as adults, the ways that we look back and realize that we also experience things really differently, even
0: though we were in the same, we have our own lenses. Yes. That we live our life through. And yeah, exactly. I love that you said that.
1: So for our boys, um, our oldest, um, came into our family when he was just barely over six months old. And, um, so, you know, he certainly had, um, in an experience and in a home and a family before he came into our family, um, though not one that he cognitively remembers. Um, you know, I know that those, those imprints are there, mm-hmm. uh, but they're while they are present, they are there in a different way than for my youngest son, um, who came into our family at seven years old. And so for my youngest, um, being seven, he had, you know, he'd lived, uh, I won't say a whole life, but like a whole childhood. He lived a whole childhood in, um, in another place with different people and yep. with a different language and, um, different ways of, of being, um, you know, sort of, uh, at, at, the cultural level, as well as just the like everyday routine, you know, piece of that as well. Yep. And so you're right. They absolutely have like that, um, shared identity and heritage of being, um, uh, Ethiopian, uh, mm-hmm. now being Ethiopian Americans, being a part of an adoptive family, um, and then they have really different stories. One, you know, being adopted as an infant without um, those cognitive memories, and the other one, you know, really bringing that that whole childhood with him into that. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's so many complexities of that, and I and I don't use the word complexity as uh, like to be synonymous with challenge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but complexities to connote layers, yes, right? It's just, it's an onion. Like there's so many layers. That's what I mean by complexities related to yep. that. Um, because they both, um, identify with their Ethiopian heritage and, um, appreciate it in ways, but they also identify and, and then like are appreciated, I guess, in, in different ways as well. Yep. Um, so for my oldest, son, something, or excuse me, my youngest. So the one that was adopted, my youngest, the one that was adopted at seven years okay. old. Um, you know, one thing that is, is interesting and is important to give him room for um, is as much as we want to like honor and celebrate his heritage and identity. He also had a lot of really tough things that happened during that portion hmm. of his life. Yeah. And He's not always in a space where he feels as though this is something he's super excited about is remembering all of that or thinking about it or incorporating, you know, those pieces of his story into who he is now. So while we know that's important in the long run, we also need to give him space to, um, to manage that differently than my oldest who because it's been at a distance and he didn't have those same tough experiences. It's um, he has a different relationship with his birth country Mm -hmm. as a result of that.
0: Yeah. Super interesting. How, like as a mom and you can, you know, speak for Dave too, as a dad too, but how were those two experiences different when you brought them home?
1: In so many ways. So, uh you know with my oldest, uh, he was our first child. So like the pieces that aren't even about adoption. Yep. Um but just becoming first time parents, uh becoming first time parents um to an infant. Uh you know he wasn't a newborn I guess, but you know still a very little guy. Oh yes. Physical, yes. Um and having that experience um on the other side of the world in a place that we were not familiar exactly. with. Exactly. And that um just works in a lot of different ways from what we're accustomed to just in, in terms of everyday life. And so that was a huge adjustment. And then, uh, you know, certainly bringing a child, um, into our home that was also, uh, you know, just wrestling with his own adjustment and transition and, and, you know, feeling safe or not feeling safe with new caregivers and um, all of that that happens in the bonding. And and so it was a beautiful experience of becoming first-time parents, um, having this amazing little guy that we were now um, entrusted with, which was just surreal, but also navigating how to be parents and how to be adoptive parents and how to be um, specifically um, good and present adoptive parents to like the specific child that we had and all that he came with and what his needs were um but all of that like said like I guess once we went through that initial transition um we just just kind of rolled into being a family yeah right and and we found the norms and figured out the routines um and then we um, were you know we just we just had him for years so like our youngest didn't uh, join our family until my they're a year apart so until my oldest was eight right so he was an only child for um, eight years so as we brought um, our youngest son into our family there was um, the transition of now parenting two but then uh, you know parenting a child that um, was coming to us at seven. It's a yes. very different experience. Um, and then learning how to be a family of four and for my son, uh, you know, how to have a sibling. And so, I mean, so many pieces, so many things, <laughs> a lot of it is like, it's about adoption and it's about my son's stories. And it's also just about like parenthood and becoming a family and the way that all of those identities, uh, sort of intersect. So, you had a specific question, and I'm not
0: sure. No, I, I think you answered but, it. I just was curious about like the two different experiences from your vantage point. And I think you answered it beautifully. Like it was different. It it um but there are still so many similarities to having your child enter your family, whether it's biological or adopted. And and um I think that's so interesting. And and I mean crazy in in the way that he did not speak english so i'm always fascinated to hear how quickly it's it's incredible to hear how quickly kids learn the language was that an issue at all with him coming home or like an added layer i would assume of complexity um or was that something that um just kind of happened i mean how Uh, did that look english amazingly
1: well, as you alluded to, um, that said it was absolutely an added layer because, okay. um, while little ones don't have language yes, in general, um, like they're, they also have never had it developmentally. Right. Yep. And so, so their, their brains hmm. are developing like they're doing life in such a way that language is developing with them in tandem. And like, that's just a normal part of lifespan where when a seven-year-old in this case comes into our home, he's had a language that he's been speaking and communicating and um, relating to others through shared language. And then all of a sudden one day that stops because he no longer has shared language, whether it's about communicating like needs or wants or desires, or it's just about being relational, like joking exactly. with a friend yes. out playing. And now you can't do that and you can't relate in that way because you don't have that tool. Hmm. So it's a tool that he had and then a tool that he no longer had and had to develop again in a new language. And so while he developed English language skills very quickly, um, it's just something we were really super mindful of, of just that experience of like having it and then not having it as like that. Oh, the yeah. I can't so, imagine. Cause there's things, I, I think we oftentimes think of the very tangible things. How would he tell us if his tummy hurt or he didn't like it yes. or he was tired. So yes, that's there. But I think the piece that we might not talk about as much is the relational component and yes. the, the potential, Isolation that is part of that.
0: And what did you guys do then to help ease that transition for him coming into your family when he had an older brother right away um, who maybe looked more like him, but didn't speak his language? Mm-hmm. And suddenly to white parents like what did you guys do to kind of help ease that or or i mean if you feel brave enough like are there things that you wish that you did um looking back mhm
1: such good questions so i mean i i know for sure our our oldest was an incredible bridge so hmm. not language but just uh you know for our youngest he was able to see, okay, there's this other guy that's, yeah. um, you know, looks a little bit more like me than my new parents and is, you know, maybe uh, kind of close in age. And what is he doing or how is he responding or, um, yeah, just that modeling, right? That's so huge. It was, it was huge. So we would introduce new foods that we were clearly eating ourselves. And enjoying. And the immediate response from my youngest was to look at his now older brother. And even like one of his first phrases was like, is it good? Is it good? Oh, hilarious. Yes. And like check He's it like, out. With, I
0: can't trust them, but I can trust it, you. <laughs> is it good? Like, okay,
1: I sh- okay, I'll go ahead and eat it.
0: Okay. Um, I love it
1: that. Food, but it's like, we're gonna go and do something. We're gonna go to the beach. But what does going to the beach mean? Yes. That's nothing, right? So same thing looking at him, like, is it good? It which is you know, translate, is this gonna be fun? Am I gonna like it? Is it yes. safe? All of that. And so that was. A hugely invaluable piece that um, I mean I guess maybe we hoped it would play out that way, but y- you don't know what that looks yes. like. Yeah. So certainly that was part of it. Um, you know, lots of just trying to communicate through sign language, little bit of language interpretation, some apps and things like that, but okay. that, that was really hard. Yes, um, that's not simple. Then I think um just Patience and yeah, patience and grace, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think about is there something that I wish that I might have done a little bit different? Um I think I just in life I can prone to I can be prone to be impatient or to rush things. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a like a specific memory related to that, but I'm confident I probably tried to, to, to rush, rush things so that wasn't always. <laughs> I do that a, too. <laughs> good strategy. Yep. Um, but I have an ability to sort of see where we need, where we need to be going, and where we need to land, um, yep. but don't always
0: have um, the right spirit in getting there. Well, I feel the same way, just in general. <laughs> myself where I'm like oh Marissa and then I hope too that you were able to offer yourself some grace and kindness too as you were navigating this of like gosh this is new territory for everyone you know that that you had that that that's really incredible um, and challenging and beautiful and all of the things all at once but I love I love that you shared that so I wanted to talk a lot about uh, now that we've kind of laid a foundation for um, your boys and uh, their different stories. Now your boys are older. They are um, Well, share how old they are. And then I wanted to specifically talk about navigating and honoring our children's stories when mm-hmm. they uh, come home and, um, it, it looks different from when they're babies and people are asking you like, oh, where are they from? When did you bring them home? If you're lucky, they also ask really inappropriate questions that you have to navigate as well. Those are nice, normal questions. <laughs> I got a lot of ones that I won't mention here, but I'm sure anyone who's brought a child home that looks different than they do has heard from a lot of people with a lot of different <laughs> questions. Um but as they get older, my daughter, you know, is nine and, and each kind of stage, it's maybe not by age, but more by general stage. Um, I have to kind of newly figure out how to navigate telling her story. And mm-hmm. now that she's nine, I really feel like it's not my business to tell, um, at all. So, share how old your boys are now if you're okay with that and then would you talk us through like how you suggest navigating it especially when you have two very different stories at home and honoring both of their pasts Mm -hmm. at the same time so would you talk through a little bit of that because I think it's super interesting you have such a different outlook on it
1: yeah, I'm. I'm happy to. So they are. They're 12 and 13, almost 13 and 14. So they're they're like 11 months apart. It's amazing. So we've, got, we've got those birthdays real close together, and they they like share an age for a month. Right. Oh, so I love it. Yes. Months, okay. Uh, because they are very like just different personalities. They're different sizes. They're in different grades. They have different skills and all yes. of that. but they have To be the same age for one month every year and that's kind of fun. I love that. Um, so they are in, um, you know, they're in adolescence, a significant developmental stage as we think about uh, identity and story, whether we are part of an adoptive family or not. And we all have different stories, but, uh, Just really significant age, just related to identity development and stories. And so, you know, all the way from the beginning with my oldest, one thing that we were really, um, which we really tried to be thoughtful about or intentional about was um, these two pieces. One was honoring his whole story. Mm -hmm. um, And the second piece of that is that it's his story. Now, it's part of our family story but it's his story. And so it's, it's not actually mine to share, but it is his to share. And, but then to your point, the way that that looks different in different um, ages and stages. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think at, at sometimes I almost defaulted to, um, making it, giving so much respect to the fact it was his story. Um, but also like needing to catch myself of, but I also don't want him to be in a position where maybe he doesn't have the, um, language or just ability to know how to navigate that. Yes. Right. So if I were to give you an extreme example, like I never did this, but let me just make it extreme. If an adult like said like, Oh, you know, here's my questions. And my response to that was, you know, well, it's his story. Um, He's five. Why don't you ask him? Exactly. It's not a great position to put a five-year-old in. (laughs) No. There has to be a space in between there to say, well, really, you know, how do I let someone know that, um, I want to honor that being his story to share without putting the burden on him to do that. Like I still have to be the parent and be the person that's navigating that. Yes. Sometimes that, that, um, that means there's awkward conversations Yeah, or some people don't get their curiosity satisfied and like, that's okay. I never want to be rude or hurt anyone's feelings. Uh, but I am also comfortable with like my responsibilities to my child and to my family. And, and what's in their best interest? So, yeah, these two pieces um, honoring their whole story. Um, if I if I can talk about that for just a moment, the idea here is really um, like there's so many beautiful things about the adoptive community and adoptive culture. And um, I also want to be open in talking about um, what I believe some of the challenges are or things that I think at times we can be more thoughtful about as, as a community. Yes. And um, one of those pieces is really while we have so much reason to celebrate what happens when a child comes into our family and how beautiful that is and how exciting it is that I think. Think it's equally important to give um, space and um, acknowledge that they are a person that lived a a life before mm-hmm. they joined our family, and um, sometimes that means there's there's tough pieces of that, but there's also good memories mm-hmm. and uh, things to celebrate and things to honor. And my children's stories did not begin the day that they came into our home. They began yep. to into this world or frankly, before, before they came that. into yeah. world. Yeah. Um, and so um, I, as an adoptive mom and my husband as an adoptive dad, we just had to get really comfortable with, they have a story and a life that we were not a part of, mm-hmm. um, but we can still be their champion in um, honoring all of that. I love like, that. you you've got to let your own ego
0: go, right? You like, really do. Sometimes there. daily. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, yeah
1: I wasn't there. Yeah. I wasn't there. And everything that happened in those days or months or years is just as much a part of their story and journey as everything that happened after the day that I was there.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's huge. So, so huge. That is the, that's the
1: whole story kind of piece. And then you you had a second question there.
0: Well, I would say, you know, I would love to hear from you. Maybe we'll just divide it into two parts. I know that there's way more. (laughs) that This is bigger than just two parts. But let's say, um, what would you say to someone if you have, you know, both of your boys are like seven and eight? Someone your kids are verbal, your kids know they were adopted. Um, what would you to say to someone who walked up to you and and asks you for details of their story? And then on the second half, now that they're teenagers um, or almost teenager, both teenagers, um, what would you say now versus back when they were seven and eight? What are some examples of something that you could um, I, uh, just help? people navigate the words i feel like you're so gifted at that and every time i hear from you i you know get something else that i'm like oh i love how you put that i love how you phrase that because you're really good at like you said those awkward conversations um i think you're really good at making them not awkward just by the words that you use and your piece around it and and um intentionality and you can tell that you've thought about it and uh, I you know a lot of people everybody's different and we're all you know I want to give grace to adoptive families but there has to be some intentionality around it as well so with now that I keep talking with those two you know ages and stages what would you say are are the best things um, like the best kind of responses even if it's just very general on this end
1: Mm it's it's a great question. and um thank you for your kindness and grace. but the 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 vulnerable truth here is uh, I actually have, have spent a lot of time feeling uh, regretful about not managing conversations well, <laughs> because, you know, I, I either maybe shared more than I wanted to, because I didn't know how to navigate it. Or maybe I didn't share more than I wanted to, but I'm not sure that I navigated it well with the individual. Mm-hmm. I think that um, we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves around these conversations, which they are important. But like I said, to just share the vulnerable truth.
0: Yes. Um, which I, I appreciate. I,
1: I don't know that I have, well, let me rephrase that. I know that I don't have the answers. <laughs> let me, let I me love it- that. Yes. And so what I would recommend to anyone is not a set phrase or response or words, but my recommendation would be this, think about it on the front end, anticipate conversations. And like, this is, this is a a life recommendation, right? Like anticipate hard conversations and be thoughtful about how you would like to respond to those hard questions or hard conversations, even to the point of considering words or phrases that are hmm. consistent that just work for you like they're consistent with your values they resonate they build that as you think yes. about saying it you're going to feel good about that conversation mm-hmm. now we can't plan or anticipate everything
0: no and no. that's the thing people come yeah. at you with they do. a wide range of questions <laughs>
1: So you can do all your homework yes. and then still something's gonna come out of left field and you're gonna go, okay, I, you know, I thought I was I was prepared, I'm trying to be intentional and I never even thought about oh, that. And I and felt so that a
0: hundred percent it's gonna happen.
1: Yes. Um, but there's also been times when um I have put a little thought or intention to it and then the conversation it comes, it hits and doesn't mean I, I get it right or you know do, you know do a perfect job of navigating it, but maybe I feel a little bit more at ease because I've thought about it on the front end. So you know, one of those things that I think you know, your question was, how is it different, like the seven and eight than you know twelve and thirteen? I'm not sure, but what I do know is, in that time frame, I have developed and found language that I didn't initially have that feels more comfortable. And then hmm. we just learn how to adapt that language over time. So one, just to give one concrete example around that, we get so many birth mom questions and we got them when they were little and yes. they were in between and we get them still. And sometimes it's in front of them, sometimes it's not in front of them. And as I believe you've experienced as well, they can be very, very specific. Yes. And so we all have to find what we're comfortable related to to sharing and our own response on that. But again, just to give an example, um, a phrase that we have found is um, that we are comfortable sharing that our children both have um, family in Ethiopia Mm -hmm. that they remain um, connected to. I love that. Is that uh, mom, dad, siblings, aunts, uncles, those are specifics that we don't get into except with close family and friends where yep. we've shared more of the details of their story. But for individuals that and and you know the, the intent is often good. Yes. Not always
0: I'd say most of the time. Good.
1: Yes. And so to be able to provide a response that is not shaming of the person asking the question for having asked. Yes. Because again, I do believe the intent is often good. So it gives a response, it acknowledges it, it shares some information, but it is also a response that has a boundary on it Mm -hmm. related to the details of that. I love that. That's going to be different for everyone. I don't even know that that's a difference between like the 7 and 8 and the 12 and 13. No, but but that's a through line. Bound in there. Now, a piece that is a little bit different is we are um, just... Super straightforward with our kids at their ages right now about what they're comfortable with and what they're not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So an example I have on that is we have a um, like an Alexa device in our kitchen that is the video one. And so it's really fun because our family like photos that are stored on the computer.
0: Yes, just Just are going
1: through And so, you know, things you haven't looked at in years and the might kids just pop up. Yes, that, and they just pop up. Um, but as a family, we've taken uh, trips back to Ethiopia and um, visited a family that they have there. And so just as an example, those photos are on there. And so just the other day, we had a very real conversation around, um, hey, it's really fun when we see these photos pop up. How would you feel if we had? Guests over, or you mm. had a friend over, and this came up, these photos came up. And if that resulted in a question being asked, and would you feel how would you feel about that? Mm. And um, they both shared their response to that and were actually both really surprisingly um open about That's it. Great. And it, it, it like it wasn't, it's probably a bigger deal to mom. Yeah, it was to them. It it didn't feel like a big deal to them right now, Um, but maybe that looks different in a year. So, those are things we want to uh, have planned, intentional, thoughtful conversations, but then also just as we're doing life and it comes up, right? The photo comes up on the screen, and then we realize, oh, there's a question to. Have a family conversation about, and we haven't had that. Yeah. So, so let's do that. Let's
0: do it. And I think it gives them permission if a year from now they do have something ping inside of them that feels uncomfortable, that they already know that you asked and that they can go to you and say, Hey, that feels weird. Can we not do that right now? Mm-hmm. You know, you've given them the permission to change their mind and open that up. And I think that's really important and beautiful and that they could each have different, you know, reactions to it. One might feel weird about it and the other might be fine. And you can kind of go from there with that, you know, that you've given that space and opportunity to talk about it and not have it be something weird in the future. I think that that's really huge. And, um, In other ways, besides like talking about it with other people, talking to them, Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing of like continuing to honor their story by continuing to have the conversation that it's not something that just ends like, well, I talked to you when you were five and Mm -hmm. you said this. um, So I've just been going on that because Mm -hmm. they forget too. like if you've talked to them when they're five, when they're 14, they're not thinking back to that one conversation you had about what they're comfortable with. And and like you said, you're, there's an element of like, you are their guardians at that age. And now you're, you know, working your way. You're always going to be their guardian. But how much do they want of that, as, you know, as they continue getting older? So I think that's really beautiful and such a good reminder to keep talking about it. And even if they're uncomfortable or if they're like, Mom, you know, like, Seriously, you know, but just to so that they know that they can then talk about it. I think that's huge.
1: For sure. Oh, I mean, so they're 12 and 13, right? There's a lot like they don't enjoy talking about a lot of things. Yes. (laughs) It's all awkward. (laughs) We think about like being a family, we we as parents, okay, um, we continually are bringing to the forefront of conversation what we value as a family. Yeah, whether yep. that's like deep-held um, beliefs and ways of being, or it's like just fun things. Uh, you know, a love of a sports team. Okay, We're like those are just continual, continually brought to um conversation. And so if we think of this as just being a part of that, it's not a one-time conversation. It's also not only a planned conversation True. or only a spur of the moment. But if it's something that's a part of who we are and what yes. we value, then it's always going to be integrated um, in in the way that we engage as a family over time. And it does look different just as all of our conversations evolve and look different as yes. our kiddos get older. Um, but something that's always present.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so so much for jumping on with me. I feel like you have just endless amounts of wisdom to offer. I know you probably would be like, "Oh my gosh, this is embarrassing." But I feel like that I I think <laughs> that um I learn something every every time I talk to you and I know that you're not like trying to teach me things, but just hearing from you and and how you're navigating this, I think is um just such a huge value to to me. And now we get to share with a lot of other people that I hope will um, get something out of this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Well, it is. It's my pleasure. That always is um, just a joy to
1: spend time with you. Um, I appreciate you using the wisdom word, uh, although your your uh, suspicion is correct. <laughs> no um, one likes it said about themselves think, or feels uh, it. <laughs> I think what I want to do and what, what I hope those in my community want to do is uh, continue to lean into important conversations. And I want to be growing every day in my ability to be listening to others. Um, and also in my ability to be thoughtful in sharing my own story and my own experience in a way that might be, um, beneficial or helpful or, or inspiring or build another up. And so really that's, that's what I see. This as an opportunity to do. Um, my story will be different from your story, but there will possibly be things that you, um, identify with as I share. And if we can do that, like I said, in a way that is
0: um, helpful to others in our community, I love that. Me too. Well, thank you. I love it. Thanks for listening to Together by AGCI. That was Jacqueline Gustafson, adopted mom, university dean and professor, and founder of the Ababa collection. As always, if you liked what you heard, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to read or watch even more stories or learn about the work that we do at AGCI, go to our website at allgodschildren.org. Reach out to us and let us know what you think on Instagram at allgodschildreninternational or you can email us at together at allgodschildren.org. Thank you for listening.